2: Outkick 360 is back. Friday edition is here. Big college football weekend. And in about 20 minutes, Chad Withrow is going to give us his top five games that he's going to be paying attention to uh, for the college football uh, week two slate. A um, couple of NFL headlines out there. Carson Wentz is going to start for the Indianapolis Colts as they host the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Um, keep this in mind about first-year quarterbacks with Frank Reich. Highest completion percentage of their careers is what has happened when Frank Reich has been the play caller uh, for for those quarterbacks. So what can that mean for Carson Wentz, who's known for pushing the issue, known for turning the football over too much in Philadelphia? Uh, and then the, the, it, the Ravens' injuries has drastically impacted. It's hard not to see an injury nowadays for a, a starter, especially at a skilled position, Paul and not think, oh, how has this impacted their, their Super Bowl prop bets or playoff probabilities? But losing Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters on back-to-back practice plays after getting through training camp and getting through the preseason, um, it's, that it's hard not to look at those two injuries and think that it's detrimental to everything that they had planned.
0: So you're going three deep now, Tyson Williams, maybe Justin Hill. Then you're talking about Le'Veon Bell. And uh, who was it that they signed last night? Um, Latavius Murray. I mean, you're getting deep and deep and deep now there. And I know that uh, the quarterback's doing a lot of the running. But at a certain point, you're, you're hand, turning around and handing the
2: ball you know to somebody. It really comes down to, is Lamar Jackson ready to be more accurate as a passer?
0: And uh, Because I, I, if I'm,
2: he's not... This is, this is crippling to their plan. And they got
0: to use more of the field, right? they got to throw in those outside alleys. We, we, we're at practice fields, right? Practice fields almost everywhere have a stripe five yards in mm-hmm. from the sideline. And, and receiver coaches, offensive coordinators talk about winning. The, oftentimes that line is red. Win the red line. Right. If you win that red line, there's room for the quarterback to throw to you like over your shoulder there where you have space to go get the ball because you fought the cornerback off and kept him towards the inside of the field. Well, uh, he's shown no, Lamar Jackson to me, tell me if you guys disagree, has shown no ability to do that. When the Titans beat them in the playoff as, as the number one seed two years ago, they, they didn't feel any fear of him throwing to that part of the field and winning. None. And they didn't have any receivers capable of it. Now, how many receivers did they get turned down by that they chased in free agency this year? Three, four, five guys that they wanted.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, they wound one up. One of them was T.Y. Hilton.
0: Yes. And now they, they got one in Sammy Watkins who isn't the, the top one by any means. Can he get out there, beat people? Sure. Sure. Uh, is, is Lamar Jackson going to be able to deliver him the ball there? Don't know. Now, uh, who is their top wide receiver? He's also hurt to start the season, um, they're the first-round draft pick. Uh, it's going to take me a second to come up with with it.
2: Has he been placed on injured reserve? Uh, it's I Bateman, think, right? Don't Bateman, Bateman, and I yeah. think
0: Bateman's on injured reserve, if I'm not mistaken. So they're in a really bad position. I haven't looked at their schedule for their first three games, but, uh, you know, While they get things right at running back or figure things out and without Bateman, it's a good time to play the Ravens right now.
1: Well, my pick for the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl this year that we unveiled yesterday, that is a franchise pick for me. I make that pick because of the infrastructure in place, because of the defense, because of the running system they have around Lamar Jackson and his ability to run. Hey, they open
0: open Raiders, Chiefs, Lions, Broncos.
1: I think if you are going to stick with that pick and pick for the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl or go to the playoffs even, you are a firm believer in Lamar Jackson. Period. Full I stop. I didn't know you were such any, a firm any, believer. Any, well, I'm not, I'm not backing <laughs> away from my pick, but this happened after we submitted no, the picks.
2: He is an MVP.
1: But I'll let you back off. A- absolutely. If you, are a, if you are still riding with the Ravens to go to the playoffs even, I think that's just full confidence in Lamar Jackson. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong to do that, but that's, that's what you're saying because everything around him is crumbling yep. from injury. The, I don't have confidence in him.
2: Well, the, the lack of confidence in Lamar Jackson to me is it's twofold. I, I don't have confidence that he's getting them to the Super Bowl because I don't believe in their passing game. But that's not to say that I don't believe in Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. Well, he's an MVP guy. quarterback yeah. uh, that is no longer just a regular season guy. He won his first playoff game last year right here in Nashville. So we've seen a progression in his game. He didn't win back-to-back MVP awards, uh, but he also was not Aaron Rodgers last year. He's, he's been good. And in, in 2019, he was great. And now we have seen him win a game in the postseason. What does that mean for the progression for what he could bring? Now, Now going back to my original point, it's is he going to be able to distribute the football on a regular basis to Sammy Watkins? To Hollywood Brown, uh, they've got Duvernay, who they drafted what one or two years ago. Um, you mentioned the the, the rookie that Bateman. they have, uh, Bateman, Rashad Bateman, who is uh, currently you know injured, but will be back at some point. And, and then and tied in tight end, they have uh, Mark Andrews, who they just extended and made him the player. highest paid tight end in, in football. So it's not like they lack talent. Uh, it, it's very confusing to me. It's a lot. It's a lot like thinking that the Steelers didn't make the playoffs last year and sucked. They they didn't. They, they won 12 games. This is a guy who won a playoff game at quarterback last year and we're throwing him by the wayside. I don't, again, I don't think he has the longevity in the passing game to prove to anybody to pick them to, to make a long run in the postseason. But it's not like he's missed the postseason whenever he's been the starting quarterback. Here,
0: here's the one thing I think about them that could be a factor, and it was the first year when they lost to – well, the year before I think they lost to the Chargers maybe in the playoffs. I don't remember his first year. Second year, they lost to the Titans uh, as the number one seed. Last year, they beat the Titans um, in, the, in the first round. But I wonder if it's not a little bit easier to face them in the playoffs, having faced them in the regular season. Um, th- and they faced the Titans two years in a row in their first game. So, um, But they probably are going to have played who they play in the playoffs in the regular season. And I wonder if... Uh, Seeing Lamar Jackson multiple times gets you ready to face Lamar Jackson.
2: What does the injury status, and again, it's, it's early, but not having Marcus Peters and, and not having Gus Edwards, this feel the injury bug that they've had at running back feels like the 49ers of last year. Like where they're just at one decimated at one time. And with the 49ers, it happened over the first two weeks of the season, and it mainly happened on their front-line defense with Bosa and others. Uh, it has the same type of feel. Um, What could that mean for the Cincinnati Bengals in a big year for that coaching staff and a big year for Joe Burrow, who's coming off the ACL uh, and their investment in him and what they did instead of protecting uh, him at at tackle? They went and got him help with Jamar Chase on the outside. Uh, They have Joe Mixon in their backfield, who is very dynamic and is very capable of being their bell cow.
0: Did they do enough on the offensive line? I'm going to remind myself what they did. But, I mean, the big thing was Sewell versus Chase, you know, and that the debate was do you protect the quarterback more so that he has time to throw to the receivers and he's not on his back, or do you give him another weapon and count on him to get rid of the ball more quickly and, and protect himself? And you used the line earlier this week, um, a quarterback makes his offensive line, yep. and, and that is the case. Uh, you know, there are analysts now who basically say sacks – are a quarterback statistic, and that is largely true. I mean, you you, you kind of make your own bet as a quarterback with a pass rush. Now, they can't give you Will Svitek, but if they give you right. a replacement-level guy or better, you're kind of obligated to make it work, right? The coach has to give you a system in which you can function, but from there...
2: You know, they they, they chose not to go with uh, first-round offensive linemen. I think they had three or four... Draft picks that were offensive linemen. Quentin Spain's they, they starting there. They focused on that. They have Jonah Williams at left tackle. Xavier
0: Suafilo is starting there. Those are two weak players yeah. on their starting offensive yeah. line.
2: And then they have Riley Reef, who um, I don't know if did they trade for him or did they claim him off of waivers from yeah. Minnesota. He's their
0: right tackle. Jonah Williams, Trey Hopkins is their center. Quentin Spain and Xavier Suafilo, though, are their guards. Those are not very good players.
1: It's also Cincinnati's a team that could be a lot better and be on the right track, and their record's not going to show much of it because they're in such a brutal the division. division. Second-best division, right? We would agree. And then Zach Taylor's going to be the next well, Nebraska West, coach after and that. And
2: maybe, maybe the Bengals figure out something to actually play their rookie draft picks up front on the offensive line quicker than the Titans do. They, they have three rookies on their offensive line that are backing up just par or subpar offensive linemen. So while they're not listed in the starting lineup right now, they could be by October uh, oh, as no. they get their feet wet. The
0: race against Raidens.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as we, uh, we sit and wait on uh, Dylan Radins here in Nashville. Are they
0: qualified to back up on opening day? We'll revisit that on Monday.
2: That's right, we will. Uh, we'll talk some college football uh, coming up. First, though, Paul, the injury report out for many teams as they wrap up practice is uh, A.J. Brown... Uh, a full go hey, today just like he's been all week
0: yeah he's good to go he he looked good he was a full participant two days in a row he's not even given a status uh, David Long is out David Long's been dealing with a hamstring that's all uh, you know hurts the Titans on special teams a little bit and if something happens with Jayon Brown that would be bad Jayon Brown's a key figure in this game in a potential shadowing or spy role with Kyler Murray uh, other Titans questionable Chris Jackson with a hamstring. Tommy Hudson with a toe, Josh Reynolds with a foot. Sam Ficken, uh, limited participation today, right groin, and the Titans signed a practice squad kicker, uh, and it'll take me a minute. I'm sorry, I retweeted somebody. It was Michael somebody.
2: Badgley, the former Chargers kicker, who started his career three years ago with Indianapolis.
0: So there you go. That's the one thing of concern to look for for the Titans. After all of this and Sam Ficken establishing himself as the guy, now there's a right groin. I've never seen the Titans put a uh, side. Uh, uh, God bless him. I, I applaud it. Right, right groin.
2: So it's kicking leg.
0: Yeah, maybe that's why they put it on there to it's show kicking the, leg. the Also, um, But that's very uncommon. Josh
2: Reynolds is questionable. You yeah. didn't say you. would.
0: All, all the other guys outside of Long are questionable.
2: So there's a chance we see Josh Reynolds inactive. Um, And the number three wide receiver, Chester Rogers, who is already Already technically on the unofficial depth chart. That would mean more to
0: to, uh, uh, Westbrook, Aquina, and to uh, conceivably who? Uh, McMath?
2: McMath, who's who's active for special teams purposes and would be available, right? I mean, I'm trying to think who they're going to keep active. Is is any offseason addition for the
1: Titans going to contribute in this game other than Molden? Dupree.
2: Julio. Uh, free agent.
0: Julio Dupree.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, trades a a and, handful, and but... The veterans more than the rookies. The, the Molden is, is the key guy in the rookie. Well, and I asked because... I, I, Pardon me, but none of them practice, so I haven't <laughs> been getting a lot of practice <laughs> updates from them. So well, this week's been I, know that, I know that's going to shock everyone, but I wasn't thinking about Julio Jones because he hasn't done anything. Well,
0: they, did, they didn't practice much in training camp and the preseason at all, Chad, but this week has been a good practice week. Good. Julio Jones played the... Uh, somebody asked him about his... Uh, his injury what, what you know what'd you do when you landed funny he was like huh and somebody you know reminded him and he's said, like, I, I, that was a long time ago I don't even remember oh he, that's he played it that way
2: uh Georgia the Bulldogs speaking of injuries they don't know right now I don't I don't get the sense they know who's going to start at quarterback tomorrow against UAB JT Daniels has an upper body injury that's the best we know um some players told reporters that he participated in practice and took some first team reps this week they're playing UAB Uh, next week they're playing Kentucky so some uncertainty at quarterback but you want to make sure that your guy's ready uh, with um, with Kentucky looming or excuse me South Carolina looming not Kentucky so uh, Chad with that in mind um, this is a, a Georgia defense it's not like they scored an offensive touchdown against Clemson but A couple days ago, we're talking about Georgia being the top team in the SEC and how they would compare to Alabama after getting a great week one win. And just a mere days later, there's quarterback uncertainty.
1: Well, look, and and Georgia's a huge favorite against UAB, and they should be. UAB, though, played Jacksonville State in in week one and blew them out. And people may say, well, Jacksonville State's an, an FCS team. Jacksonville State's a pretty good FCS team with a future NFL quarterback. At quarterback, and UAB's defense handled them. If they are without the offensive weapons that we laid out right there, this is going to be a defensive struggle type game. This is a game that Georgia's defense goes, we can't let them score and then see what happens in the game. I think Georgia wins going away. I don't think they're in any trouble or anything against UAB, but it definitely puts even added emphasis on that defense, Hutton, to completely shut down UAB, which – they're completely capable of doing.
2: Carson Beck is the backup quarterback for the Bulldogs to keep an eye on as they place UAB. Chad has picked out his top five games to pay attention to across college football. We give you those straight ahead on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. David Reed is the chairman of the board. And Chad Withrow has some college football games we should pay attention to. here. Uh, if you don't mind, Jacob, roll through tomorrow's schedule from the top 25. Quick. We hit this earlier this week.
0: Quickly, I just want to say I tweeted uh, the, to the link out, and I said Winthrow's top five college games for you to build your schedule around how many people that aren't that familiar with us yet think i botched chad's oh name? i'm
1: sure it'll happen just like the same amount of people are asking about your face yeah. in the chat they're just still going right now endlessly what happened cancer to face? spot
0: and his name's withrow but everybody yeah. calls him winthrow by accident and i play into it
2: so here's the Thanks, schedule honey. of games uh for the ncaa that is no the that's NFL the nfl schedule. schedule jacob uh we will pull up the jacob, ncaa schedule fame. which is the link below that link Uh, momentarily. Here it is. There There we go. Um, Saturday, September 11th. Coming up tomorrow, Alabama and Mercer, baby. (laughs) We mentioned Georgia and UAB. It's one to watch because of the uh, the quarterback situation for Georgia, and they're trying to get some momentum before they play South Carolina. Ohio State takes on Oregon. I will not go any uh, further on that because I'm sure Chad is about to mention that. Uh, But you see... Where I'm, where I'm going here. There are not a lot of marquee matches that jump off the page. So therefore, I sent Chad a text this morning and I said, hey, Hook um, us. Hook us. what are you watching? What are you watching this week? Uh, Ellie Sylvia, our production assistant, made a very colorful graphic. She, prior to the show, asked us if it was too colorful. And Chad, your response was? Never. Well, first off, let's
1: show the graphic Never so everyone colorful, can see I it and everybody said. can be their own judge of this. She didn't just ask me Is it too colorful? She said. I think this is too colorful. (laughs) What do you think? And (laughs) I said, You can't have enough color. I'm a colorful guy. Who's Missouri playing? This is a colorful graphic, and I love it. I can't Uh, see lots of colors on this graphic.
2: Missouri's playing Kentucky. I avoid
1: the purple. It looks. It it, it kind of really warms my heart a bit because it looks like a graphic I would have created in, like, 2002 computer class? Yes. You know, when you had wow. to do some sort of now graphic? Really it's a, a throwback graphic. Yeah, but the colors make it that way. Like, oh, I just learned word art or clip art. Wasn't that the thing back in the day? I'm going to put that together. Ellie's anyway, tough.
0: She's taking it like a, like a
1: champ. I'm gonna, no, Ellie did a fine job. I'm the one who She's requested gonna give you this graphic. going to match my eye. I'm, I'm the one who requested this graphic. She did exactly what was asked, and I appreciate it. So I'm going to show you guys that even in the worst of college football weeks, there are some hidden gems out there top game of the week, two top 10 teams, top 10 matchup, Iowa at Iowa State in Ames. Rivalry game that I believe is going to show not just, you know, the the, the dominance of the state of Iowa, like most of America cares about that, which they don't. I think what it shows is who is going to be legit in their respective conferences. Is Iowa State going to really contend with Oklahoma for a Big 12 championship? Is Iowa going to be a contender with everyone else in the Big Ten. Are they the team to beat in the Big Ten West? I think things like that are going to be decided in this game, going to tell us a lot about the rest of the year. That's at 3 – all these times, by the way, central time. 3.30 central time uh, on ABC tomorrow. Second biggest game of the week, Oregon at Ohio State's, the big noon kickoff game on Fox. Gus Johnson will be very excited to call this one 11 a.m. central kickoff. This is, guys, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Oregon is playing a game at 9 a.m. on their clocks. It is going to be wild in Eugene at 9 (laughs) a.m. for that kickoff. This is a huge matchup. Oregon struggled against Fresno State. Key in this game, Anthony Brown, their quarterback, needs time to throw. When you think of Oregon, you think Mark Helfrich, Chip Kelly, running a play every 10 or 12 seconds, a lot of finesse. That's not Mario Cristobal's Oregon team. This is an SEC-like team in the Pac-12. Not as talented as mm-hmm. the best in the SEC, but this is a hard-nosed, physical football team. They want to run it. They want to, give, uh, they want to play action, give Anthony Brown time. The problem, guys, they couldn't give him time against Fresno State. It's going to be a little bit more difficult against Michigan. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, one of the best defensive players, going to be a top-ten pick. Great defensive end. His status uncertain for this game for Oregon. And can they get to C.J. Stroud if Thibodeau is eligible? If hes I shouldn't say eligible. If he's able to play an ankle injury in in week one, that's going to go a long way in deciding what's going to happen with that. Number three, biggest game of the week, Texas at Arkansas. I know Clay Travis and the Outkick uh, road trip is there right now. These are –
2: I think they were at C.J.'s last night.
1: They were indeed. These are longtime rivals, old Southwest Conference rivals. 79th meeting between these two. Last time they met, 2014, Arkansas routed Texas in the Texas Bowl, which prompted Arkansas coach Brett Bielema to describe the performance as borderline erotic after watching Arkansas run all over Texas in that game. Texas is hoping to be the one aroused after this matchup, and I think they will be. They're better than Arkansas. I am not sold on KJ Jefferson at quarterback, he is a dual threat. I think Steve Sarkeesian came into Texas, they win easily over a top 25 UL Lafayette team. Yes. And they do so by just doing the obvious on offense. Get Bijan Robinson the ball. He may be the best running back in America. He is the best player on your team. They found different ways to get him the football. Sark bringing in the obvious to this offense is going to be a big help to Texas. I think they get it done on the Make road roll. against yeah. Arkansas. This is going to be a great atmosphere, though, 6 p.m. Central time.
2: Upside down, Knight, hook horns.
1: ESPN, Fayetteville, uh, they love their hogs in Fayetteville, and it's going to be a rowdy atmosphere for this one as they welcome their old rival, the Texas Longhorns, to town. Game number four, the, only S- the first SEC game of the year, the only SEC matchup, SEC versus SEC matchup this week, Missouri at Kentucky, 630, SEC Network. These two teams hope that this is a game to decide at least third place in the SEC East. Depending on if Florida continues to have quarterback problems, maybe on the outside they're thinking this could be for second place. Hey, if you haven't the seen SEC Will
2: Levis play, get ready because it's a different Kentucky offense this year compared to what we've seen.
1: 367 yards passing Hutton uh, for Will Levis in in week 1. Now, here's the problem. He was sacked four times against UL Monroe. Missouri had eight sacks against Central Michigan. Mm. Missouri struggled. They went 34-24. to They took a long time to put that game away against Central Michigan at home. I know a lot of people love Connor Basilac. I'm not sold yet. I think he's good. I don't think he's a great college quarterback. I'll tell you, it could be great for Missouri. Tyler Beatty, their running back, dynamic. 204 yards, touchdown. He also had a receiving touchdown. Uh, And Eli Drinkwitz knows how to get him the ball in space. That's a player to watch. Really good middle-of-the-pack SEC matchup. Missouri at Kentucky, my fourth biggest game of the week. Number five, I don't know how many people even uh, mark this game down because Washington lost to an FCS team in week one. Washington loses to Montana. Montana is a very good FCS team. But now the Huskies go to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. That's a 7 p.m. night kickoff on ABC. Now keep this in mind about Washington losing to Montana. Their top four wide receivers were out with COVID and injuries against Montana. They basically had a skeleton crew at wide receiver of guys who had not played in that game. The, the, the results of that, they scored seven points. They lose 13 to seven. Uh, Montana did nothing offensively though. Washington had the best defense in the Pac-12 a year ago. They think they have the best defense again. I think Washington's defense is good. I think this is a really good game. I would definitely have Washington covering. I think it's seven and a half against Michigan. I think that first game against Montana is going to fool a lot of people. I think Michigan looked good uh, against Western Michigan, but Washington, a team to watch in this game. And then the big question with the Wolverines had they finally found a quarterback in Cade McNamara. He looked good in their first yeah, game. Yeah,
2: he did. Chad, though, if, they, if Washington were to go on the road and pull the upset after losing to Montana, oh, Jim Michigan. Harbaugh, watch out.
1: It's going to get ugly uh, for, uh, for old Jimmy Harbaugh at that point because that's, that's going to be the entire narrative. You yes. couldn't beat a team Who that lost couldn't beat an FCS team. <laughs> That, that's going to be what everyone's yeah, going to about. Nobody's going to be talking
0: about their four receivers. But we're out the first week. Nobody cares.
1: But I'm telling you, I think Washington is better than that performance. I think they get a lot of guys back. I think they have the defense to give Michigan fits. I think this is a field goal type game uh, down to the wire, It should be a really good game. So that's a pretty good five pack. This is going to be – Hutton's right on this. This will be the worst of the season. Yes. But still, top five games. I'm giving you some every time of the day that you can watch and be entertained. And I'll say this the honorable mention games this week were really close to that four or five range that could have been in the top five. There's not a huge drop off. Pitt at Tennessee, we'll talk a lot more about this in the Tennessee Power Hour. Should be a close game. Biggest question can Joe Milton pass? If Tennessee can get it going in the passing game, I like their chances in this game. If Joe Milton plays the way he did against Bowling Green, they're probably losing by seven or 10 points against an experienced Pitt team that's got a good defense and he's got a six-year quarterback who's probably going to be a late-round NFL draft pick. NC State at Mississippi State, Bulldogs favored by two and a half in this game. This may be Dave Doran's best team at NC State. Uh, Mississippi State came back from death uh, against Louisiana Tech to come back and win. Will that propel them in this game? In any matchup that is called the Holy
2: War, you you must watch. You must watch. Utah at BYU.
1: And I I can guarantee you this. Jonathan Hutton will be watching this game. Why? 10-15 Eastern, 9-15 Central. Late night start on ESPN. It is the Pac-12 after dark kickoff with Utah at BYU. Utah, really good. Uh, Jake Popoff is working for the Utah football program, our production assistant from last semester. So we'll be looking for him on the sideline. The Holy War is always a must watch. And then, Paul, this is the one that you're going to want to watch. Rutgers at Syracuse, also on my list. Hoops? Um, no, not hoops. But it is a three-point Rutgers favorite in this game. Should be a good one. Dino Babers at Syracuse. Rutgers looked great against Temple. And Temple, Temple looked terrific. miserable yeah. in that game. I might have mentioned but, that to my wife points, a few times. 66 points. Uh, Greg Schiano and Rutgers put up on Temple. I think it's going to be a good game. Rutgers at Syracuse, Big Ten. It's one of those games It's weird when I say, this is a Big Ten versus ACC game. Rutgers at Syracuse. It is a Northeastern matchup. Rutgers at Syracuse, but it's Big Ten versus ACC, 1 p.m. Central time. ACC network. I don't even know if I get the ACC network but I'll be looking to check into this game at some point. You want to know if if my
0: son sides with mom or dad? I announced that Temple-Rutgers score. I grew up right near Rutgers, went to Rutgers Prep. I announced that score, and Simon said, so we lost? (laughs) I said, well, I guess you're with mom on this
1: one. Uh,
2: Let's dive in a little bit more on the two honorable mention games that that Chad mentioned. Uh, First with Mississippi State and NC State. Mississippi State has to figure out how to run the football. That They could not do that against Tech last week. And while they were able to come back, they did that in their passing game in a big collapse by Louisiana Tech defensively. Chad, can they find a run game? Can they consistently run the football with Leach's offense? Because if they can't, this is going to be an extremely long season for them. I don't know...
1: There's a big overreaction to week one results across the board. I, I, I pointed out one with Washington. I think there's a big overreaction to Washington losing to Montana, who Montana's pretty good, and I think that'll bear itself out in that Washington-Michigan game. Guys, I don't know how Mississippi State is favored in this game. I, don't, I just don't see it from what I saw against LaTeX. And LaTeX is typically a capable program. You know, they've beaten good teams in the past. They know how to go on the road in the SEC and put scares into people in games like this. But the way Mississippi State looked and what I know about this NC State team and their defense, they're not going to run it on, on NC State. This is not going to be the game they get the run game going uh, for Mississippi State. NC State's good at forcing mistakes with the other team also. Mike Leach offenses typically... We'll give the ball to you at times. It happened all the time a year ago. It, I know it's, it's been a problem for him. Uh, it's been a problem for Will Rogers, their quarterback, also in the past. I just don't see how NC State's not favoring this game. I really don't.
2: I'm with you. Uh, and also, Tennessee and Pitt, and we're going to get into this more with Brent Hubbs in about 20 minutes, um, but you mentioned can Joe Milton pass? To me, it's not as much about accuracy as it is protection. Pitt may be the worst possible opponent for Joe Milton right now because over the last two years, no team in college football has sacked the quarterback more than Pitt. They have 97 sacks over the last two years combined. They're going to get after him. And he stands back there and doesn't move his feet.
1: It's... This is what's odd about this. And we'll talk with Brent Hubbs about this also. But I feel like everything I read about this matchup and look at it is, well, Tennessee's defense should be okay. Tennessee's defense was the biggest question mark about a Josh Heupel team. No one knew what to expect on defense. They have some veterans on defense. And the thought going into this game is Tennessee's defense will hold their own even against a good pit offense with a good quarterback. But no one knows how that offense is going to perform. No one knows what Joe Milton's going to look like under pressure. Also add in the fact that Cooper uh, Cooper Mays, mm-hmm. their starting center, is probably out. We saw him sprain his ankle against Bowling Green. That's a problem. Tyon Evans probably out with COVID, who to me looked like the best running back on the team in game one, even though he didn't start. Uh, he brushed for over 100 yards. I think it's going to be tough. And, Hunt, I'm showing you something right now uh, on my computer. Yep. Kroll. See this guy? This uh, White tight end with blonde, a blonde mullet and dark hair up top. I'm gonna see if I can show. Yeah, how's what I'm that come at right here. There that looks go. great. Yeah, this guy right here. I want Tennessee fans to look at this guy right here. Handsome man. I'm calling it right now. This dude's gonna destroy Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> he is a Florida transfer. He was their leading receiver against UMass out of nowhere. Uh, he stepped right into a starting spot. He is 6'6, 265 in Tennessee the last three or four years, for whatever reason, cannot figure out a formula to cover the middle of the field in the passing game. Lucas Kroll is going to be a name that Saturday at about 3 o'clock every Tennessee fan is going to remember. Mark it down. You heard it here first. I'm thinking multiple touchdowns. I'm thinking a third and 19 pickup at some point. (laughs) I'm thinking right when you think you've got him hemmed in, Lucas Kroll is going to do something at the least opportune time for Tennessee. Lucas Kroll is the name to remember in this game.
0: I, I'm sure Pitt, uh, you know, stylistically and, and formulaically, it's what they want to do, rush the passer. I expect them to rush the passer. They do have to have some new guys rushing the passer, though, because Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver in in Tennessee here, and Jalen Twyman all got drafted. Yeah so but they that, produced that quality it, guys, so they have to keep bringing them up
2: that pit defense is known for their scheme yeah they scheme up sacks I, and what what I'm interested to see is what does Joe Milton do against that scheme and against the pass rush that they manufacture
0: I'm surprised there's not way more concern about Milton I, I mean after well, those first two series he was not good in that first game and this is a way better defense way yeah better. I mean
1: I but again that's that is the question it's uh, how is Milton going to handle pressure which he didn't really get in the first game even the sacks was really just him hanging out too long yeah. right? You know, no, with right. no concern. Um, he was too nonchalant. My issue with Milton also is he could be a weapon in the run game and there's going to be design run. We saw successful design quarterback runs against Bowling Green. For Milton, he's going to need to run with a lot more physicality. For a guy that's 255 pounds. Put the shoulder down. What's what, I mean, it, was, it would come to a complete stop. Like he was going to juke somebody. He, he's not juking anybody. Very it's, it, people see him. He's 6'6, <laughs> 250.
2: You can't You're miss not going to realize you've got to go through people. Yeah, I, I,
1: didn't, I didn't quite get that part of his game. But I mean, look, he's every is, bit
2: of that, too. We, I saw him last night at an NIL event. Yeah. He is, he is a big quarterback, he stands out in the crowd.
1: Well, and it's not just get your feet moving and don't be flat footed and be ready for what's coming, it's when the pressure gets there don't rush and throw right. a pick six. Right. That, that was the Garantano effect that yeah. Tennessee fans recognize, right? It's, it's a big game for Joe Milton. It's a huge swing game for Tennessee season. Um, I'm not if, – if they go out, they're three-and-a-half-point underdog. If they lose, I'm not willing to say they can't win six games at that point. A lot of people are making it out like if they win, they're winning six games. If they lose, they're not winning six games. I don't see it either way because I still see a lot of avenues against Kentucky and Missouri and South Carolina – and Ole Miss, where things could happen either way in some of those games, um, but no, it's it's the first big test the Josh Heupel era. It's the Johnny Majors Classic. Yep. He's going to wear a replica Johnny Majors uh, blazer in the vault walk, and the rumor is he may wear on the sideline with a tie for the game to honor Johnny what Majors, color, which would be pretty cool. Um, Google Johnny Majors. It's not even a color. It's like a design. It's almost like a. Herring I don't know pattern. what you'd call it, a squirrel skin? <laughs> it's like, it's some sort of brown, tan That's what he was known for, pattern. yeah. Yeah,
2: uh, jacket that he would it's wear. It's Doug Matthews special, is yes. what I would call yes. it.
1: Doug also, he doesn't need the replica. He probably probably has <laughs> gifts from Johnny Majors from back in the day of that sports go. Uh,
2: good stuff, Chad. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm eager to, to sit back and watch week two of college football. How was the sales all, pitch? Are you ready now to watch
1: some games? It? Yeah, I'm okay. ready to watch
2: those games. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be flipping the channels as much, and, you know, I'm 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 hopeful that we get quality matchups. Uh, on paper, I'm with you. I, I think the Texas game can end up being a blowout, uh, and I'm hope Pitt's, Pitt may come in and throttle Tennessee if they come in all so they, they use six different running backs against UMass. There's a lot we don't know about Pitt either, but Tennessee's got to be able to stay on the field because with the veteran quarterback that what well, a six-year starter that they have at Pitt. They're going to be able to sit on the football and run it well, just well, as much as they can pass it.
1: Josh Heupel, uh, in two matchups with Pat Narduzzi at Pittsburgh, at UCF, scored a combined 76 points. Yeah. So he's had offensive success against Narduzzi. The key that's is, a factor. The key is first down, but Pitt is going to be so they're going to be set up and designed to stuff the run on first down. They're going to be looking run on every first down play when it's quick for Tennessee. Tennessee and Josh Heipel have to find a way to get creative. On first down and get some pop plays in the pass game to get things rolling and then set up the run game that way
2: we discuss three big games for the sec that are under the radar we may have touched on one of them with yeah. tennessee and pitt i'll give you two more straight ahead and why it's a big weekend uh in the sec also the 360 parlay straight ahead on kick 360 Let's do it, Chad. Let's win this weekend. I'll kick 360's daily parlay. Here is Chad Withrow's picks for this evening. I feel
1: great about this, this one, boys. I feel really good about it. Boys and girls. Ellie's in the room nice, also. Nice. Don't, don't want to discriminate on this show. I'm going to discriminate against those who don't play this parlay, though, because you're stupid if you don't. Already it's a played winner. it. Already played it. It's a winner. Blue Jays, just like they got it done against Paul's Yankees, Blue Jays will get it done oh, against Hutton's Orioles. Why? Because everyone gets it done. Against you the should. Orioles. That is going to be a vacant Camden Yards tonight for that game. There may be a negative number in front of the crowd in the attendance at Camden Yards tonight. Blue Jays, money line, Braves against the Marlins. Braves have done well against the Marlins this year. They'll do well again. They're the one in the pennant race, not the Marlins. Moneyline, Braves. Then we're going to go to the over brigade tonight. Friday night college football has a tendency to get a little wacky and have a lot of points scored. I love the over with Kansas at Coastal Carolina. If you remember the Coastal Carolina hype train started a year ago when they went to Lawrence, Kansas, Mm. and just destroyed Les Miles Jayhawks. Coastal Carolina wins big, but the over is going to hit also. And give me the over, UTEP at Boise State on the blue turf. Blue Jays' money line, Braves' money line. Take the over in Kansas, Coastal Carolina. Take the over in UTEP, Boise State. That is a winner.
0: Hutton, may I comment on this parlay? Sure. Listen, I'm all in on our team parlay. I put my $5 down immediately when this parlay hit my text. But, Chad, what are you doing? It's the first weekend of – second big weekend of college football. It's the first weekend of the NFL. You have three days' worth of stuff, and you're giving me Kansas and Utah.
1: Well, I do it – there's a method in my madness, Paul. He wants to win tonight. I do it tonight because I want everyone out there – if we want to put something on Twitter – or put something else for tomorrow, I want a separate parlay tomorrow. Right. I don't want people waiting oh, through the whole weekend. I want you to keep I them wanna, coming. I want to either win or lose tonight and know you're either doubling up tomorrow <laughs> or you're going to something All totally different. All right.
0: Open. Well, I want that pledge because I was expecting a big, like, weekend-long, like, we're going to stack it, we're going to get one tonight, we're going to get one tomorrow, we're going to get one Sunday or
1: five deep or whatever. But – I looked at this, and I was underwhelmed. But what? if we win this tonight, I want one in my box tomorrow. Well, feel free when this one hits tonight to send me a text and ask what I'm playing tomorrow okay. for college football. Well, no, just, send show. It. just send it like like we regularly right. do. I'll tweet it out.
2: I'm going to pull up Fanduel awesome. right now and just see some of the lines for this weekend because we have the first weekend of NFL as well. Um, Steelers are getting 6.5 at Buffalo. Looking through here, uh, Titans are... Three? Uh, was, yeah, minus three. That line remains the same. Over-under and a half for Titans Cardinals on Sunday at Nissan Stadium. I'd take
1: the over on that one.
2: Um, I think there will be a lot of points in that game, too. I'm with you. I'm trying yeah. to think of the, the Broncos-Giants over-under is 41 points right now.
0: Wow. Who – wow. <laughs> that, <that's laughs>
2: that is bad. really – Broncos-Giants.
0: Paltry. That is the lowest in the second-lowest Miami-New England Looks like
1: 43-and-a-half. You know what that tells me? The Vegas hates Daniel Jones and Teddy Bridgewater. That's what that tells me.
0: Titans is the highest of the weekend, and it looks like by a lot. I don't know if there's another one in the 50s. I, I, I would take the over
2: that game. 48
0: is the second highest, 48-and-a-half. Or, no, Cleveland, Kansas City, sorry, 54-and-a-half.
2: Guys, three first-year head coaches in the SEC with some big games this weekend. South Carolina takes on East Carolina. That's a big game for Shane Beamer. Vanderbilt at Colorado State. What is Vanderbilt about after getting dominated by ETSU? This is going to send a signal uh, for what Clark Lee's message has been all week with the Vanderbilt Commodores as they go on the road. This is a 9 o'clock Central kickoff.
1: 9.15 Central, a Hutton special.
2: This is a big game for him. Because, again, I, I had the topic earlier this week. I don't know how you overcome a bad loss. We, we've seen time and time again when bad, lo- bad loss meaning uh, FCS opponent or a really terrible Division I football team comes in and dominates you at the SEC level. I don't care how bad Vanderbilt's been in the past. That was an all-time bad performance. And Tennessee Pitt, this is a big game for Heupel as well. He's had success against Narduzzi. Chad pointed that out. I think that benefits him. But can they find enough protection in order to give Milton time to deliver some accurate passes? It, it's, a, it's a both ways scenario here. We need to see more from Milton. He's got to have time to throw it against Pittsburgh's defense.
1: I thought Shane Beamer's South Carolina team was a lot better than I thought. I know it was a bad opponent, uh, Eastern Illinois, yeah. who they played in week one. But I thought they looked competent in the game that they're playing a guy who was an assistant coach, quarterback. Uh, who came over from Boise State and started as a graduate assistant. They said, hey, why don't you play quarterback? When they had some issues there, and now he's their starting quarterback. Um, Big game for them. I think they get it done. East Carolina is not very good. Um, So I I think South Carolina wins. I agree with you, Hutton, that this is – when Vandy lost to ETSU, my immediate thought was, boy, going to Fort Collins, they're going to get destroyed in that game too. And then I look at the score, and I see Colorado State loses to South Dakota State, another FCS team, by 19 – so Vandy loses by 20 to an FCS team. Colorado State lost by 19. Um, this is kind South of a Dakota misery State bowl is in this game. South Dakota State's a better program, though. South Dakota State's a better program, but it, this, it, it's only a six-and-a-half, seven-point line for a reason. Um, you know, Colorado State's not supposed to blow Vandy out or anything like that. It's supposed to be a close game. I, I think it's, a, you know, it's an opportunity for Clark Lee to show an ability to rebound and to keep his guys engaged and play whatever that was against ATSU do something different in this game. And I'm with you on Hypel also. It is, pun intended, a chance to start the hype train. Mm-hmm. If they go out and win in front of a, a nearly packed Neyland Stadium in the Johnny Majors Classic and they weren't predicted to win, they win as a slight underdog at home, they're going to be 2-0, and they're going to be 3-0 after they play Tennessee Tech the next week, they're going to be 3-0 going to the Swamp. It's going to get people talking about Tennessee football a little bit more even if the rest of the season's not going to be great, and I think a loss, what it does is it puts people right back into apathy mode. It's just more of well, we knew it was going to be bad, and now it's bad, and Josh Heupel can't fix it, and this season's just already over, and probably not going to get to six wins, and uh, I- I'll look for other games to watch on Saturday. I know that Hypel can't fix Milton in a week, right?
0: It's a long-term development thing that he's good at, but also. What can he do in a week when, with clear deficiencies that were obvious? How much can he address some of those points and have him more ready for certain things? I'm very curious about that. Add some extra time. Yeah, and with Clark Lee, my thing is, I, I am not big at all, I swear, and you guys know this, on... A judging a coach by his disposition, right? I hate when fans are like, look at this guy on the sideline. He's it's not emotional at all. He's a dead fish, and that really means something about him. But I do feel like Clark Lee coming out of that with the learning moment and all of that stuff is very kind of dry and calm, and I wonder if behind the scenes there's some life and some juice because I feel like that team after that game uh, needs some life and some juice, and I wonder if he's uh, pushing the pedals properly to inject them with, uh, yes, the level of calm that he has and not overreacting, but also to to push some buttons to, to get them going. It's a tough balance over there on West End in Nashville. We know that, and we trusted that he was a good hire for that.
1: Those things are being put to a test right out of the gate. Clark Lee said right after the game that he looked at his team and said, Look around because this is rock bottom. This is it. This is the bottom. This is the worst it can possibly be. Now we have to make the decision to climb out of it and and get better. I will disagree with him on this. The worst it can be is losing every single game this season for a second straight season. If you're Vanderbilt football and if you're someone who supports Vanderbilt football, stop rotating quarterbacks. It can get worse. Stop
2: rotating quarterbacks.
1: Yes. It can get worse. And, and I'm going to give our buddy Jacob Underwood credit on this. He called me out and said, you know, you, you were very soft on Clark Lee on the show. Soft. And he said, you're comparing Clark Lee to the wrong Tennessee coach. He doesn't sound like Butch Jones. He sounds like Derek Dooley. And I thought, you know what, you're right. He's a guy who's focused on too many things that doesn't matter. When I'm hearing about the 90 times he practiced warm-ups, and everything else, it it immediately brought me back, cutting to Derek Dooley with uh, hard-hatted blueprints. You know, when the team's practicing outside.
2: Cutting your hair properly, how to shampoo properly.
1: Yes, uh, shower etiquette and all of that stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to have Derek Dooley's tenure at Vanderbilt, but I think my friend was right, and then I was comparing him to the wrong Tennessee coach with some of that stuff. Well, I I had a
0: Vandy friend who heard our conversation say he's being Tim Corbin, practicing everything. I, I understand that but I don't know that it can translate directly from baseball Brent to Hobbs
2: Brent next on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.